0: Ability, cannot stand in the face of adversity, we could never find the strength to trust without faith. Because we don't have the capability to see above the trials that we meet, to keep our eyes focused on the King while counting the situation we are currently experiencing as joy. Faith works. This is the essence of James. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. Without faith, without works, we too quickly become that man in the mirror staring at his face, but then forgets the way he looks as soon as he turns away. But with faith, with works, we stay steadfast on this journey, progressively sanctified, knowing we'll be perfected once we reach the other side. Faith Works. This is the cry of James, that faith apart from works can never be sustained. That in every day and in every way we should see this truth proclaimed because it's faith that makes us doers of the word, not just hearers. It's faith that keeps us humble, not proud. It's faith that directs our tongues to bless, not to curse. It's faith that causes us to show mercy, not judgment. It's faith that leads us to true religion, not its empty substitute. And it's faith that's causing us to preach the good news to every tribe, tongue, and nation with every breath that we breathe. And it will be faith that causes us to worship our God for all eternity. This is the message of James. Faith works.
1: faith that takes you to be obedient to God,
0: and as a result of your faith,
1: we do good works. Well, good morning, I am am blessed to be back, I uh, was away for a couple of weeks, and uh, I I would be lying if I say I, I didn't miss you guys, I miss you guys. I miss being here on Sunday, but I, I want to thank Pastor Roy for taking care of, uh, of of the preaching on those two Sundays. As um okay, <laughs> we're good.
0: <laughs> I just want to thank Pastor Roy for preaching those two Sundays. It was it was a blessing. I uh, I was with you guys online,
1: so I uh, I, I appreciate each each one of you and your prayers. Uh, and uh, so I feel a little bit rested and, uh, and, and ready to go, and I've been looking forward for, uh, for me to uh, start this, uh, this new series that we're going to do in the, book, in the book of James, and as you saw right now on that video, faith works. So many people deceive themselves, believing that all you have to do is uh, pray the prayer, say, Jesus, I welcome you in my life, and that's it. Once you do that, you're saved. You're saved, and you don't have to do anything else. And so a lot of people get confused, and as a result of your faith, there are certain things that show in your life, certain actions, certain behavior in your life that will show whether your faith is real or fake. Whether your faith is, is a real faith that has, that's going to result in change, in life change, or not. So many people believe that they are saved, but they deceive themselves. And we will look at some of that through the book of James, because James has one of the purposes of the book of James is to show us over and over and over the importance of bringing our faith, bringing our faith to action. If you do not bring your faith to action, then then you have to question yourself. You have to examine yourself. So uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. And, and so if you're here with us for the first time, we, uh, we are blessed to have you with us. If, uh, you know, if everybody here is part of the family, so we are blessed that you are here too. So uh, one of the things before we begin this morning, uh, you have an outline in your bulletins. And this outline is to help us in our small groups. Uh, we have uh, several small groups in our, uh, in our churches, in our church, uh, I'm sorry, um, but this is what you guys are going to be going through in some of the small groups, and so we, we want you to pay attention, we want you to fill out the outline, and get as much as you can, if, if there's something you don't get through the sermon this morning, then you can always go on YouTube, and go to our channel in YouTube, and... Um, review the sermon and be able to be ready to participate in our small group. So that's going to be definitely a blessing. So today we are going to start this new series on the book of James. And uh, you may ask, why, book, why the book of James? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I think the book of James is one of the most amazing books in the New Testament. It has been said about the book of James that is the proverb of the New Testament because of all the wisdom that in the book of James, um, we read. Also, it could be, as some people say that it could be a commentary on the Sermon of the Mountain, the, the amazing sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Because of, the, uh, because of his full, uh, it's full of practical wisdom, and there are five things that I love about the book of James. Number one, I love about the book of James that it's a practical book, it's not a doctrinal book. It is a practical book. James covers a whole range of every life, everyday life issues: how we respond to pain and suffering, dealing with conflict, how how, do, how how does how does our words, our speech, can help or harm other people, dealing with poverty, wealth, and even uh, you know how should we uh, live life, whether we plan life. Uh, taking God into account or or ignoring God. Uh, How do we struggle, uh, you know, with application of the Word of God in our lives? James is also a direct book. James moves, uh, you're going to notice through this study that James moves very quick from issue to issue. It doesn't stop much, but it moves really fast. Much of what it says is straightforward to understand. It's not a hard book to understand. But also James... It's a stretching. James assumes that the gospel touches every area of life. So that if you have been touched by the gospel, the gospel in your life will touch and will transform every single area of your life. Of course, when you give your life to Jesus, you begin a process. You begin a process. Nobody changes from one day to the next day. You change uh, uh, you, 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 your, your position before God is changed. It's transformed automatically, but there is a practical. There's a practical part of that that is called uh, progressive sanctification. In a progressive sanctification, once you give your life to the Lord, then you begin a process that it takes a lifetime to finish. It never finishes on this earth. It, it begins a process of changes in your life. So James touches every area in our lives. He doesn't. Let us off the hook in any of these areas in our lives james james puts the word of god as a mirror that when you read the word of god it's like if you're looking at yourself in a mirror and james says that when you're reading that a lot of times if you don't pay close attention to the word of god you are like that person who looks at himself in the mirror and and quickly turns around and quickly forgets about you know what he saw in the mirror So James says, no, let's look at the Word of God and pay attention to the Word of God because it's a mirror that will examine, that will search your life, that will search your soul. And so the book of James is so important in every Christian's life. So it's also a book that is encouraging. It's encouraging because underlying all that James says is the desire to magnify Jesus Christ it is Christ's glory that drives everything in this book. Along the way, James gives us wonderful reminders of the grace and the goodness of God. He can, uh, he can afford to be challenging um, because of the grace of God is so compelling to us. James also, and this is our focus this morning, will challenge you to examine your faith. Again, is your faith, James is going to tell you, his, through the whole book, James is going to keep on telling us, Is your faith real? Or is your faith fake? Tough question to answer. And some people might get offended by that. You know, How dare you questioning my faith? Well, I'm, I don't. But the Word of God does. The Word of God, the, the Word of God constantly will take us back over and over and over to, to, to examine our faith. Through the letter of James, James gives a, a lot, a few tests after test for us to know if our faith is real or we're just talking the talk but not walking the walk. Have you met people like that before? That they talk the talk? They talk like Christians but they don't walk like it? So James is going to challenge us every Sunday for the next, I believe it's the next four months, the next 18 Sundays. James is concerned that if we say we are Christians, that we would also walk the walk. That if faith is genuine, we can prove it by our way of living our lives, not just the way we talk, but the way we live. So, I'm thrilled about the book of James, because it's all about what what does it look like for me to be a Christian, in a world that is so crazy, in in a world that is so chaotic. We've been called to act outwardly. Not just to act with words, but to act hourly as we've been impacted by the Holy Spirit. We are called also to impact other people, to impact our neighbors, to impact our classmates, our co-workers. What does he do in a practical day-to-day life? That is exactly what the book of James is going to help us do uh, during these next months that we're going to be looking at it. Other apostles gives us doctrines in the New Testament. But the book of James, what it does is, okay, so the other apostles already gave you the doctrine. You are already a believer. You already learned doctrine from these guys. Now let me tell you how that doctrine is put into practice. Because we might know, but do we do what we know? So James is constantly bringing us back on this on this epistle, on this beautiful book, to think about, do we really... Do what we say we know. So if your faith is going to impact others, it must be. It's got to be tested. It's got to be tested. And to understand the book of James, uh, we must understand three essential things. One of the essential things that James is going to focus over and over is that our faith must be tested. Our faith must be tested. Why? The genuineness of something valuable it's a test or affirm through a process of examination and testing. So, whether it's gold or silver, precious metal, whether it's diamonds, precious stones or money, anything that is in on if it's of intrinsic, of intrinsic value, it's subject to the testing to affirm its true worth. So, if your faith is valuable... If your faith has the value that we believe it does, and the, the most valuable commodity in all the world is eternal salvation. And a lot of times we don't consider to really, I need to consider, I need to test. How am I walking with the Lord? Our salvation is priceless. It is of the highest value. It was paid with the blood of Christ. And to have the right relationship with the living God is to possess the most valuable thing in existence. So, and all those people who believe that they have possessions uh, should be subject to their faith uh, to a process of testing to determine the validity of their faith. If we don't test the validity of our faith, we we, we might fail in knowing whether we are in the faith or not. There are people that you know, all over the world, who if asked whether they uh, have salvation, they will reply, yes, I'm safe. But unfortunately, a lot of those people are wrong. Do you know that 98% of Americans believe they are Christian? 98%. Now, if you look around and you look at the Word of God, would you really say 98% of our nation's are believers? Definitely not. But 98% of people believe they're Christians because they inherit Christianity from their parents. Because it was passed along. And, and, and you know, we, we can fail, we can, we can make a mistake on that and not knowing if we're really saved or not. So the book of James is going to help us to look at what we say we are and what are we supposed to do with that. How are we supposed to live because of the way, because of what we say we possess? Faith. True salvation, true salvation needs to be subject to examination, subject to testing. That is a biblical concept that testing of salvation is all through Scripture. There's nothing wrong with you for, 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 if you say, you know what, I need to test my faith. And James says that every, every situation that James is going to talk about. It's going to be a test of your salvation. If you are saved, this is the way... James, next week we're going to talk about trials. So just to give you a quick example. Next week we're going to talk about trials. And James says, so if you're a believer, and when when you have trials, not if you have trials, no, when you have trials, because you will have trials, right? But when you have trials, James says, if your faith is real, if your faith is genuine, then this is the way you're going to respond to trials. So it's going to help us as believers how to live life, how to live our faith, how to do the things the way God wants us to do things. And so the biblical concept of testing of salvation is all through Scripture. So I'll share some of the verses with you. For example, Psalm 17. In Psalm 17, verse 3, it says, You have tried my heart. So the psalmist is saying, Lord, you have test me. You have tested me. You have tried my heart. You have visited my, me by night. You have tested me. Psalm 26, verse 1 and 2. Judge me, O Lord. In other words, examine me. Judge me, O Lord. For I have walked in my integrity. Judge me to see if I have done this for real. I have trust also in the Lord. Therefore, I should not slide. Examine me, O Lord, improve me, test my heart and my mind. Over and over, the Bible will tell you this stuff. And how often do we really do it? How often do we really do it, or, or do we just want to? A lot of times, we as believers we want to get the benefit of salvation, but we don't want to be. We want to. We don't want to do the responsibilities of salvation. That's like being a citizen of the country. You want to have all the benefits of being an American citizen, but do you want to have all the responsibilities of being an American citizen? You want to have the benefits of what the country can do for you. But what about when it comes to pay taxes? Do we want to pay taxes? Don't say anything, because I know if you had the choice, you probably wouldn't. (laughs) Or maybe pay less, right? But a lot of times, we don't want, we want the privilege, but not the responsibility. So a lot of people don't take the time to examine themselves. The psalmist says that my relationship, basically this is what the psalmist is saying, my relationship to you is subject to testing to determine its validity. Psalm 139, I would, I would call your attention to a couple of uh, some familiar verses that we, we read often. Psalm one thirty-nine, in verse twenty-three and twenty-four, it says, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. So search me, examine me, and lead me in the way everlasting. In in in, in verse uh, Lamentations chapter three, verse forty, says, Let us search and test our ways. So how am I doing things? How am I living life? I'm supposed to test my way. I'm supposed to test the way I'm living life. Am I living life that is really pleasing to the Lord? Or am just living life, you know, showing up to church on Sunday and after church on Sunday? Well, church, you live the church life on Sunday, but the rest of the week you don't. Do I, have I examined myself on that? And turn again to the Lord. After you examine yourself, you're supposed to turn again to the Lord. I, again, the writer is calling for the people to subject themselves to the test of the validity of the relationship with God. The prophet the, the prophet Haggai. Haggai, and it's a small book in the Old Testament, chapter 1, verse 5. I, I like the, the way it says in verse 5, because... He says one thing in verse 5 then he gives an explanation in verse 6 and says the same thing in verse that he said in verse 5 says the same thing in verse 7 L- look at what it says now therefore let us set the lord of hosts L- listen to this consider your ways so consider the way you are living life consider your behavior consider your attitudes if you are a believer You have to test yourself, he says. And and so, he was telling the people of Israel, You have shown so much. You have so much, I'm sorry, and and harvest little. So, you sow a lot, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, does so. To put them into a bag with holes. So what the Lord is saying, and then He says in verse 7, Consider your ways. So in other words, what, what the prophet is saying here is, you see how things are going in life a lot of times. You see the things, you know, there's a lot of things that don't satisfy you. There's a lot of things that just don't go with you that you feel they're not going well. And have you stopped to think about why are things going the way they're going in your life? Have you considered that? Maybe you've got to think. And when he was writing these, these verses, when he was speaking to the people of Israel, it's because they were living the life completely the opposite of what God wanted them to live life. But they wanted to experience their blessings from God. And God is saying, no, the reason that you sow much, but you harvest leader, the the reason you eat and you feel like you never fool, like you never have enough, the, the reason you drink and you are always thirsty, the reason you receive a salary and you put your salary in your pocket and you feel like the salary went through a hole. Has that ever happened to you? And you feel like, man, what did I do with the money? Well, the reason that happens is because you have not examined your ways. Because you have not looked at the fact that maybe you're not living life the way God is requiring you to live life like. So basically saying you have to examine yourself. And then over in the New Testament, there's a passage that we often use in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 uh, in connection to the Lord's table when we read uh, verse 28 in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, where, where the Apostle Paul says, Before you take communion, examine, let a man examine himself. So we have to examine ourselves. How are we walking with the Lord? And at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it also says, Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. But there's nothing wrong with that. We have to examine ourselves. Why? Because we might be deceived. We might believe just because one day in a preaching time, we came up to the front and we said, yeah, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Savior. And that was it. There was never changes in your life. Oh, there were changes for a little bit of time, but then, you know, everything went back to normal. And you got to read the parable of the sower then. That a lot of times we have to examine ourselves. Are, are we, are, are we the, the ground that is ready for the seed of the Word of God? Have we had changes? Have we shown fruit in our life? As a matter of fact, what it's saying basically here is prove yourselves, validate yourselves. John the Baptist said it in chapter 3 of Matthew. Remember? Remember what John the Baptist says when all the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were getting there to be baptized? What did John the Baptist say? He says, Repent, vipers. Repent. And he said, the the way you're going to repent, the way you're going to show repentance in your life is by showing fruits of true repentance. What are fruits of true repentance? Those are the changes. Those are the actions that come that follow your salvation. Not just John the Baptist, but also Jesus said it in chapter 4. Repent and show truth, Show fruits of true repentance. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that there are people that who, who have an illusion of being Christians. I don't know if you agree with me, but Jesus agrees with me. Jesus says there are people who have an illusion of being Christians. Some will come and say, Lord, Lord, but in your name we cast out demons. We in your name we made miracles. And the Lord will say, What what would the Lord say? Away from me. I never knew you. Who are you? Lord, but I I, I cast out demons. Lord, I did so many miracles. I and the Lord uh uh-uh. uh I don't even know you. Because life shows different. And this is exactly what the book of James does for us. The book of James, this beautiful book, will call believers to put their faith to the test. If your faith is real, then test it. How? You test it by your attitude. You test it by your behavior. You test it by your actions. Your actions have to back up what you're saying you are. You uh, examine yourself to see if, if, if what you're saying is real. Let your actions speak louder than your words. It's so easy to say, I'm a follower of Christ. That's why I said before, 98% of people in America believe they are Christians, but they don't behave like that. When was the last time you examined yourself? When was the last time you really considered, am I, am I really walking the walk? So James is going to help us do that. God wants us to do that for us to see how strong our faith is. By the way, God knows how your faith is. God knows if your faith is genuine, if your faith is not, if, you're, if, you, have, if you have experienced uh, faith, salvation, you know, salvation faith or not. God knows that. But God wants us to examine ourselves so we will know that. So Scripture is a mirror where we're going to look ourselves over and over And that's where James is going to tell us that when we get to verse 23. Today, we're not going to go more than verse 1. But when we get to verse 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law... The law of liberty and perseveres. Being a hearer who for uh, being, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Notice what James is saying all the way from chapter one: being a doer, being a doer, not somebody who forgets what he heard about the word of God. He will be blessed in doing. So the reason, one of the things God wants is to bless your life. But for God to bless your life, you need to be a hearer of the Word and not forget so easily what you hear the Word and put into practice what you hear. So when I preach a sermon, when Pastor Roy preaches a sermon from this pulpit, all you got to do is, this is half of the job. The other half, you do it when you get out through those doors and you go put it in practice. What good does it do if you hear a sermon every Sunday but you don't put it in practice? So now there's no excuse. Even in the small groups, you're going to be going over James. So you will consider uh, everything that we're talking about over here. Now, with that in mind, uh, with that in mind that we have to examine ourselves, we return to the book of James, and I want you to go to verse 1. And and we know that James is going to give us, uh, all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 5, a series of tests as to the validity of our faith, of our salvation. I, I like the way John MacArthur puts it. The way John MacArthur says about testing the, uh, or validating your faith, it's pretty strong what he says. He says that verbal, intellectual claim to the truth is useless. Verbal, intellectual claim to the truth is useless unless... There is the demonstration of a transformation of a transformed life that is marked by righteousness. So, it's useless. Our words are useless unless there is a demonstration of a transformed life. An intellectual, ritualistic, external religiosity without the evidence of a transformed lifestyle, frankly, he says... It's an abomination to God and very common. That is because so many people believe they are believers just because they claim that. But their behavior, their life, their actions show very different in their life. So James desires then to show the character of living faith. And what does it say? James Comma, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, James, uh, uh, you might be wondering, so why is James going to talk a lot about this, uh, leaving your faith, leaving your faith? You know, how do you live life according to your faith? Why is James, James had experienced the power of saving faith himself. He had experienced the power of saving faith, the result, the result in a transformed life. And how do I know that? So James had experienced the power of saving faith, and he, his life had been changed. Uh, first, uh, let me tell you, there's four James that appear in the New Testament. By the way, the, the, the name in reality is not James. That's the American name. The American name is James, but the actual name is Jacob. Jacob, or Jacob. Because it was a Hebrew name. But as time went by, we, you know, they changed the name, and it just stayed as James. So there are four different James, and we're going to see which of these four James is, because we want to see how his life was transformed. First, let, let us find out who, this James, uh, who who was this James. Uh, several men bore, bore this name in the New Testament history. Uh, one of them was James, the son of Sebedee, brother of John. So there were the two apostles, John and James. John, John and James, his brother. Uh, he was a fisherman called by Christ together with John. Together uh, with John, they had the nickname Sons of Thunders because they were impulsive. Uh, but this James couldn't be the writer because he was killed by Herod in 44 AD. And this book was not written until later on. So he couldn't be the writer. But there was also James, son of, uh, of Elphis. Um, Another one of the apostles, according to Matthew chapter 10, very little is known about this apostle. And there's no indication whatsoever that this James wrote the epistle. And then we have James, the father of Judas. That was was the, the third James. James, the father of Judas, the apostle. He's even more obscure. So no one so one of the few references to him, it's found in Luke chapter six, verse 16, and then everything else is obscure about him. But then we have the number four James, James uh, the four James, and is the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he was, this James, was half a brother of Jesus. And here is where you see the most impact transformed part of his life. Is that most likely he's the candidate to, the, uh, to be the author of this epistle, even though he humbly identifies himself only as a servant of God. But, but you'll see right now, as I explain it to you, why was that a showing of transformation in his life? He, he's... Putting himself, he he identifies himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he puts the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Son in the same level, and he says, "I'm a servant to God and the Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, That Jesus had that that Jesus had a brother uh, named James is evident. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. It is not the uh, this the carpenter's son talking about Jesus. It's not his mother called Mary and are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas. So James was half of the uh, his half brother who at first didn't even believe in Jesus. You know that his brothers thought that Jesus was crazy? Can you imagine? Can you imagine you growing up with the perfect sibling in your house? You would always get in trouble, but he would never get in trouble. You always make mistakes, but he would never make a mistake. You probably wouldn't like that that much, right? You know, why is it my fault all the time and not his? Because he was God. He was perfect. And so James and his brothers did not like Jesus. They said that they thought, the Bible says that they thought that he was a little crazy. And so they tried to go, uh, when he was preaching, they, they went over there and tried to get him back home because, hey, hey you shouldn't be saying this stuff that you're saying. They did not believe in, 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 in Jesus as, as the Son of God. But once he opens verse 1 in chapter 1 of James, he is now saying, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. His attitude has completely changed. You know why his attitude changed? Because of the impact of the risen Christ. So when your life is impacted by the risen Christ, by the power of the resurrection, there's got to be changes in your life. There's no way you can say you are a Christian, that you have been saved by the grace of God, that your life has been impacted by the, by, the, by the resurrection of Christ, and keep on living the same way. There's no way. Your attitude has to change. Your way of thinking has to change. Things have to change in your life. Why? Because when Jesus appeared to James, that's when he changed. That's when he believed. Before not believing, before making fun of Jesus, before he thought he was crazy, now it's my Lord. And look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. Then he appears to James. Even the Apostle Paul makes sure that he noticed that. That he appeared to James. Then to all the Apostles. So he appears to James, his half brother. In Acts chapter one, verse fourteen, he says, "All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman, and Mary, and the mother of the, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers." So his brothers, who thought he was crazy before, now they believe. By the way, the book of Judas, the book of Jude in the Old Testament, one book before Revelation, was also written by a half a brother of Jesus. These guys were impacted. And Jude, when when, when Jude writes on his book, he writes defending the faith like you have no idea. If you have never read that one, it's only one chapter. I recommend you read it. And he goes hard and he says, no, I'm defending the faith. We need to watch. We need to check for false teachers. We need to watch for this stuff. We need to do what's right before God. So they're very passionate now. So James... Eventually becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. This James, half a brother of Jesus, who didn't believe before and now believes, now he's experiencing changes in the, in his life. Now he's living life, he's been testing his faith, and he's been living life according to the word of God, not according to his old ways. And now James is saying, Now now he becomes the leader, he becomes the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. According to Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, he was the leader of that church. When Peter was delivered from prison, he sent a message to James as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He played an important role in the, in the, also in the conference at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. When Paul visited Jerusalem, it was to James that he brought greetings. He didn't believe, and now he did. Now he's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference in attitude. What a change. He believed. He, he believed and he changed. James was a changed man. His faith has been, has been tested. He proved that now he was a true follower of Christ by the way he lived his life. His attitude towards Jesus changed. What kind of man was James as he changed? He must had been a very deeply a spiritual man to gain such a prominence in the church in Jerusalem. He had to be very spiritual. Uh, tradition tells us that he was a man of prayer. Do you know, you, know you know what his nickname was? Does anybody here know what James' nickname was? Besides Pastor Roy, of course. His nickname was the man of camel knees. you know why they call him the man with camel knees? Because his devotion to prayer. Here is a man who didn't believe in Christ. And his knees got so hard from praying all the time to the one he didn't believe in. To the one he grew up to not like because he was a perfect kid. This explains why the emphasis on prayer on this book. He's going to talk a lot about prayer, especially in chapter 4 and 5. Again, tradition tells us that James was martyred. He was killed in, in 62 A.D. That he was cast down from the temple and then beaten to death with clubs. That as he died, he, like, he prayed just like Jesus prayed. It says that it was, it, when he was dying, he says, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. Man devoted to God. He's changed. His faith was real. James had experienced the power of saving faith that result in a transformed life. He had changed because his faith in the risen Christ, his faith was shown by his actions. And that's why when we come to the book of James, we need to understand that it's not a doctrinal book, but it's a practical book about Christian living. So, if you are in the faith, this is the way you're supposed to live. So, James, again, I'll repeat this again so we can, we, we, can, we can keep it. Keep it in our minds and not forget. James is saying, the other apostles are teaching you the doctrines you need to know. I'm not going to talk to you about the doctrines you need to know. You already know those doctrines. Because James assumed he is writing to believers. I'm not going to talk to you about the doctrines. I'm going to talk to you how, that, how do you leave those doctrines that now you know. How do you leave it? How do you bring it? It's, it's being said by a friend of mine. The theology is not theology unless it's practical. Because a lot of times we can be full of, of knowledge. And what, what does it do if we don't put it in practice? If we don't put it in practice, that's not Wisdom. And James is going to talk a lot about wisdom, testing our faith by the wisdom we use. Do we use early wisdom, or do we use heavenly wisdom? And we'll talk about that through this book. So James, it, it has been said, it's, uh, like I said it also before, it was a, it's a practical book that covers a range of everyday life issues. James doesn't deal with systematic theology, but he goes to the practical theology he doesn't deal with the essence of salvation. There is nothing here about crucifixion of Christ, resurrection, nothing about the deity of Christ, nothing about justification, regeneration. The things, are, th- those things are mentioned. Why? Because he is writing to believers who are supposed to already know. L- look at this. Look at this. It's at least thirteen references of brothers, brothers and brothers. Look at this. Chapter one, verse two. My brothers chapter 1 verse 16 my beloved brothers chapter 1 verse 19 my beloved brothers again in chapter 2 he has two references in chapter in chapter 2 uh, in verse 1 and verse 14 my brothers my brothers chapter 3 he has three references chapter 3 uh, verse 1 my brothers verse 10 my brothers verse 12 my brothers chapter 4 verse 10 do not speak evil against each other my brothers Chapter 5, verse 9, 10, 12, 19. My brothers, my brothers, my brothers. In other words, James is saying, you are a believer. You have a responsibility to leave out your faith. You are a believer. He calls them brethren several times. He even calls them my beloved brethren. So... The underlying assumption here is that you are the people of God. You are people who make a claim to faith in Christ. Now, leave your faith in Christ. I don't like to deceive myself when I go out to the street and I go share the gospel with people in the streets. I don't like to deceive my faith and say, oh, a hundred people came to know the Lord. How many of those hundred people that make a profession of faith when I go knocking door to door, they're really believers? It, it has been said that when you go to um, one of those, you know, stadiums and, and they do these big preachings, it has been said that only 2% of those people really come to the knowledge of God. So if, if a thousand people came to, the, came to the front, maybe 20 of those people are believers. It is what you do after you make that profession of faith. And that's what James is going to keep on focusing over and over and over. His focus is going to be, be a doer, not a hearer. Be a doer, not a hearer. Every time he calls them my brothers, is to encourage them to do something that supports the faith that they claim to possess. Thirteen times. As a matter of fact, James has 108 verses. It's 108 verses. You know how many verses are, uh, are imperatives, commands? 54 of 108. So half of the book, half of the book will keep on telling you over and over. If you're a believer, this is this is what you should do. 54 verses of 108 verses are imperatives, are commands to do. So he assumes that they know doctrine. So that now put it in practice. You believe this, then this is how you should live. This is how you should behave. Put your faith into action. If you are a believer, if you say you are, if you have faith, test your faith and put it in practice. How is He going to test your faith? Notice, uh, we're going to go really quick in a few of these chapters. Chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. Your faith will be tested by your trials in life. So when you are being tried, the way you respond. So the trial is going to come, but in the way you respond to the trial... It's going to show the type of faith you have. In chapter 1, verse 22, your faith will be tested by your attitude to the teaching of the Word of God. Depending what your attitude is to the teaching of the Word of God, that will show the type of faith you have. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, your faith will be tested in the way you treat people. Do you make preference of people? Do, 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 you make, do you make preference with people who are rich or who are poor? Do you deal with them in a different way? Or do you have preferences? Your faith will be tested by the way you treat people. No matter who they are. No matter if they look like you, if they look like me. It's how you treat people because they are made to the image of God. You will show your real faith. Chapter 2, verse 14, he says, Your faith will be tested by your actions. So do not tell me, he says, you have faith but you don't have works. Let me show you my faith by my works, James says. And and, and I will show you that you don't have faith if you don't have these actions. Chapter 3, verse 1, Your faith will be tested by the way you talk about others. The way you talk about people. The way you use your words. Your faith is going to show that way. Chapter 3, verse 13, your faith will be tested by the way you make decisions in your life. Do you live your life uh, with early or heavenly uh, heavenly wisdom? Chapter 4, verse 1, your faith will be tested by your personality, by your attitude, whether you're selfish or selfless. Whether you care about the opinions of others or not, your faith is going to be tested to see how whether you're selfish or you're not. Chapter 4, verse 13, your faith will be tested by the way you place God in your plans. Do you really take in consideration God into your plans, short term, long term? Do you think, what does God want me to do? Your faith will be tested. In chapter 5, your faith will be tested by your attitude towards material things. Are you in love with the world and with the material things of the world? Or are you using those as tools to do the will of God in this world? Your faith will be tested by your patience, whether you are patient with others or not. Your faith will be tested by your care for others physically and spiritually. In other words, James desires then to show the character of living faith. My actions should reflect, should be a reflection of my faith. That's why this is an essential book in the life of a Christian. And I like one thing that James says. Notice this, that in verse 1, where we are, he says, James, a bondservant, in the the word servant there is the word doulos in Greek. The word doulos in Greek is used to talk about a bondservant or a slave. So, as he changes his attitude, he says, "I am a slave, I am a bond servant to Jesus to God and to Jesus Christ, and this letter that I'm writing to you I'm writing to you that are in the dispersation. You know who, who this letter was, was directly being written to? to people who were part of his church in Jerusalem, and we'll talk more about that next week. So these people were part, they were members of the church in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there was being a lot of persecution. They were suffering. They were suffering. And, and so, what they did is they ran away from Jerusalem. They went to other places. And James is telling them so, just because you run away from this trial doesn't mean you're not going to have trials over there. So, let me tell you how you should behave, whatever you are. Some said that I thought salvation was faith was was by faith alone, Pastor. Yeah. Salvation is by faith alone. But when you possess that faith, and we'll talk about that more next week, when you have that faith, Ephesians chapter two verse ten says that that faith should take you to do good works that were prepared beforehand by God so that you will do them. So it's not like, oh, I'm just having faith and I'm done. No. It is not that way. That's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, it is by faith alone. But once you receive salvation by faith alone, it doesn't, faith doesn't go to sleep. Faith wakes up and goes to action. What are you doing in your life? How are you living your life? This is a challenging moment. It's a challenging book. Let me close with this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Yes, salvation is by faith alone, but faith should lead you to good works. Look at the way Paul says that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Pay attention to that because Paul says, Work out your salvation. And he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Many people misunderstand this verse. And he says, see, we got to work for our salvation. No, that's not what he's saying. This is not what he's saying. What he's saying is, work out your own salvation. In other words, you already received salvation. Now, Paul says, work it out. Let me give you a quick example. We all have been given a body, a physical body. If we go to the gym... We go work out the body that we already have. So we already possess this physical body. Now we got to work it out. And the word that is used here, the Greek word, let's put it over there, in the, is the word katergosamai. Katergosamai means get busy. Get busy. You say you have faith. So get busy showing that faith that you say you have. Be productive. In other words, Paul... Just like James is saying, you know what, yeah, salvation is by faith alone, but as a result of your faith, of your salvation, here is what you ought to do. You ought to get busy. You ought to be productive. You ought to behave the way God wants you to behave. And so James is going to go on and on on this book. It's only five chapters. So we'll get through it in about four months, 18 weeks. Because today we only got through verse 1, right? Now, my question is, are you ready to examine yourself? I hope you are. And I hope, you, you, I hope you're encouraged to tell other people who, who have told you, Oh, you know what? No, I don't go to church because I'm already a believer. So you're like, okay, because you're a believer, you should go to church. You know, this online thing only works for some people. It's only acceptable for some, certain people that cannot make it a church. But this online thing... No, no. We should all be gathering together. We are the church. We should come here and we should worship together. We should pray together. It's part of testing our faith. Being together. And my question is, are you ready to examine yourself in the next weeks that we're going to go on this book? Are you ready to examine yourself in the light of a Scripture? Are you ready to find out what kind of faith you have. Are you ready to work out your faith? You already possess it if you're a believer. So now you got to work it out. But if you're not a believer, and maybe, maybe you believe before that you were a believer, but when you look at your actions this morning, after going through all these verses, once you look at these actions, do you believe you're a believer? Have you been living the life? Have you been walking the walk? Have you been walking according to the Word of God or have you been just talking the talk? This is a moment that is so important for you that are here right now or for you that are watching online. You know, have I, am I really walking with the Lord? The only way you are going to do all these things that God is expecting us to do is when the power of the Holy Spirit is within you. And the only way the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be in you is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will give you the strength. He will give you the power to make changes in your life. Because a lot of times we believe, we're like, you know what, it's, it's so hard to make those changes. It is. And some of those things we are going to struggle with them the rest of our lives. But the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us will keep on pressing us, will keep on helping us to make the changes that we ought to have if we have saving faith. Now, in light of the Scripture, you have to examine yourself. I'm not going to judge you because I'm nobody to do that. But the Word of God will judge you. You will see the Word of God through these studies. And when you see the Word of God, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to come to terms, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? From this depends your eternal life. You want to have eternal life, I'm sure. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So let's put our heart to the test in the, more, in the, in the weeks to come. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, We want to come before you, Lord, this morning. First of all, we want to thank you, Father, for the blessing that it is to to be here and to be part of your church, to be part of this congregation. I pray, Father, that, that we will be honest as we test our hearts, as we look at our walk and if we're we're, we're walking according to what we're talking are we walking the walk father because it depends our eternal life depends on it our salvation depends on it and I want to pray, Lord, that if anybody's here this morning and they're not sure if the way they have been walking with You or the way they have been claiming to have a relationship with You, if they're not sure if it's real. I'm praying, Lord, this morning. I'm asking You, Father, to please help us all to examine ourselves. And if somebody realizes They're not believers. I pray, Lord, that they will be giving their lives to You this morning. So with your heads down, I just want to say, if you're not sure because your your behavior, your actions, your everyday life doesn't show that you have a relationship with God, but you want to have a relationship with God, this is the moment when you can tell God, Lord, I realize I have not been walking according to what Scripture says. Forgive my sins. I give my life to You. And if you give your life to to Christ this morning, I can assure you that the Holy Spirit will press on you to do the right thing. Consider your ways. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Father, and if we are believers, we just want to pray, Lord, that what we're going to be looking into the next weeks and even today and the weeks to come will challenge us to be better, better Christians, to be better people, to learn to act the right way in a way that we will impact the world around us. The people will see that we're not just talking, but we're walking according to the Scriptures. In the name of Christ, we pray this morning. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. So, don't forget, and I encourage you to, if you didn't get all the notes, Go online, uh, finish your notes, get plugged into a small group. You, you, you know about the small groups. They're over there. They're, uh, they're on the bulletin. So there are small groups in Wheatier. In case you say, hey, you know, it's Weedier is too far from it. Well, there's a small group in, in Weedier. There's a small group in Norwalk. There's small groups in different places. I encourage you to go. Talk to the small group leaders, and you will be blessed if you do that, because you will grow in the Word of God, which is the purpose why we meet over here every Sunday. God bless you this morning.